Hi everyone, welcome back to Logical Bible Study. As always, it's our goal to help you understand the literal sense of the gospel reading from today's Mass. So we're doing a verse-by-verse dive into the text. Today's reading is from Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 to 11. So we'll read out the text, and then we'll have a go at breaking it down verse-by-verse. When Jesus went into Capernaum, a centurion came up and pleaded with him, Sir, he said, my servant is lying at home paralyzed and in great pain. I will come myself and cure him, said Jesus. The centurion replied, Sir, I am not worthy to have you under my roof. Just give the word and my servant will be cured. For I am under authority myself and have soldiers under me. And I say to one man, go, and he goes. To another, come here, and he comes. To my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you solemnly, nowhere in Israel have I found faith like this. And I tell you that many will come from east and west to take their places with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. So there's a bit going on here. What's the context? Jesus has just come down from the Sermon on the Mount and he's healed the leper at the start of chapter 8. Now that healing of the leper was the first of 10 healings in chapters 9 and 10. And the purpose of those healings is to show Jesus and in fact the kingdom of God's power over sin and sickness. Today we're going to see the second and third healings which show different aspects of Jesus' healing power. Verse 5, when Jesus went up into Capernaum, now that's Jesus' home base, so he spends most of his time in Capernaum, not in Nazareth. During his ministry, he's in Capernaum, and he apparently has some sort of home there, which might have even been Peter's house. While he's there, a centurion came up. So what's a centurion? It literally means century. So it's a Roman official, mid-ranking, who is in charge of 100 soldiers. There probably were quite a few of these stationed in Judea at this time, so there were probably a few moving around in Capernaum. According to Luke's account of this, this particular centurion was well known to the Jewish nation and they liked him. He was responsible for building a synagogue in Capernaum, apparently. So that's in Luke chapter 7 verse 5. And it says the centurion pleaded with Jesus. Now that's pretty shocking. A pagan coming to Jesus, this pagan probably doesn't believe in God or even know the Jewish scriptures, but he comes to Jesus knowing that he can heal. It's quite astonishing, and in fact it gets more astonishing, because he says to Jesus, Sir, my servant is lying at home paralyzed and in great pain. So lots of scholars point out that this must be true and genuine faith, because he doesn't demand a certain solution from Jesus, he just tells Jesus the problem, and he sort of trusts that Jesus will have a solution. So Jesus then says, yes, I'll come and heal the man. But another translation of this this verse is, shall I come and cure him? So there's a bit of a different emphasis there, depending on the translation. And that would make sense because it would have been scandalous. This leader of a pagan army approaches Jesus, who are the Jewish enemies, the Romans, and he asks for help in his own home. That would be scandalous to the Jewish people watching. A Jewish teacher would never go to the home of a Roman centurion. So maybe Jesus here does say, shall I come and cure him? Maybe there is that emphasis. But he does say, he does imply that he will will come into his home and cure him. 
But then the centurion says something interesting to Jesus' suggestion that he'll come to his house. He says, I am not worthy to have you under my roof. Just give the word and my servant will be cured. So what the centurion says here is basically, I know who you are and I'm not worthy for you to come into my house. So please heal him from a distance instead. So that's uh, miraculous, really. This centurion firstly believes Jesus has the power to heal from a distance. And secondly, he recognizes his own unworthiness in front of Jesus. This, this is the opposite of how most Romans saw the Jews. So there's something quite incredible going on here with this centurion. Now, you probably recognize that line, I am not worthy to have you under my roof, just give the word and my servant will be cured. That line is used as one of the responses we say in the Eucharistic prayers at Mass. And in that context, it's about we're not really worthy to have Jesus enter our bodies, as in our roofs, but if we just say the word, then Jesus will make us worthy. And so it's actually a fairly decent application of this text here. Verse 9, and this is the centurion speaking, For I am under authority myself, and have soldiers under me. I say to one man, go, and he goes, to another, come here, and he comes, to my servant, do this, and he does it. Bit of a strange verse here, what's going on? The centurion's main point here, remember he's speaking to Jesus, is that the centurion knows how authority works. And in his case, if the centurion is told to do something by his superior, he does it straight away. And if the centurion gives an order to one of his soldiers, they do it straight away. So the centurion here is saying, I know you have authority over sickness, Jesus. I know how authority works and I know you have it. So if you say the word, the sickness will disappear. So he's basically following up his statement about you don't need to come to my house because all you need to do is say the word. I know you have that authority. That's what's going on here. Verse 10, when Jesus heard this, he was astonished. Some translations have this as marveled or amazed, and that's the only time that word appears in the Gospel of Matthew. Interestingly, it's in response to a Gentile. So that would seem to contradict the view that's out there, which is that Matthew is quite biased towards Jews. Well, here, the only time Jesus is amazed at someone's faith is to a Gentile. So Jesus says to those following him, so he uses this as a teaching opportunity, I tell you solemnly, nowhere in Israel have I found faith like this. So Jesus commends the man's faith, and in particular, he commends the man's firm conviction that Jesus does have power over sickness. He says the centurion has true faith, basically. The centurion doesn't doubt Jesus' power at all, and that's basically why Jesus commends him, because the people that he's been surrounded with, the Jews, up until this point in his ministry did not have that same sort of unconditional faith that believed Jesus can do anything. So he says, I have not found faith in Israel like this. Lots of the Jews following Jesus were doubting him or had reservations. There might be a lesson for us today as well. It probably means it's often easier for those with no religion to come to Christ compared to those who already think they know Christ or who think that they're already doing God's will. That appears to be the case in the Gospels, doesn't it? The Pharisees and the Jewish leaders who think that they already are doing God's will refuse to come to Jesus, whereas those who seem to have a lack of God in their life are quite drawn to Jesus. Now, when Jesus says, I have not found faith in Israel like this, he probably means 
at this point in my ministry, I haven't seen faith like this. But later in his ministry, he might find faith like that. Jesus now gives a mini parable, and it's one of his most graphic and most sobering parables. He says to his uh, Jewish audience, I tell you that many will come from east and west to take their places with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. What's this feast about? Well, the Jewish belief at the time was when the kingdom of heaven was consummated and came to earth, the Jews believed there would be a big feast with all of the righteous people. So all the Jews would be there with the patriarchs and it was a big, amazing feast that they were looking forward to. Now, that is sort of true, actually. That is part of Christian belief, that there will be a a kingdom banquet. But the problem is the Jews had come to believe that only Jews would be at the banquet. Jesus here says that Gentiles will be at this meal too. He says many will come from east and west, not just Jews. And in fact, he's probably thinking of the centurion, who's already part of the kingdom based on his faith. This would be a bombshell, a huge revolutionary revolutionary idea to the Jews who were listening to him. Even though it is predicted in in the prophets quite a bit, people like Isaiah and Jeremiah do say that Gentiles are going to be part of the kingdom. So they should have known that, but Jesus has to remind them of it because they had come to believe that it would be only Jews. Now, there is more to this story, but that's actually where our lectionary reading ends today. It sort of cuts it off halfway. From here, Jesus actually intensifies his teaching. So he goes on to say that the sons of the kingdom will be excluded from the kingdom from the kingdom banquet. So he actually tells them that the Jewish leaders themselves, the sons of the kingdom, will largely not make it into the kingdom of heaven. And then he also heals the centurion servant from a distance. So all of that happens in the second half of the story. And you can hear that on Saturday of week 12 in Ordinary Time. Let's turn now to the Catechism. There's just three short paragraphs for us to look at. Paragraph 1386, this is in the section about the Eucharist. Before so great a sacrament, the faithful can only echo humbly and with ardent faith the words of the centurion. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. And of course, it's those same words that we say every single time, uh, just before the Eucharist at Mass, and it comes straight out of what this centurion says. So he's actually a model of faith that has lived on in every single Catholic Mass. Paragraph 2610, Jesus is saddened by the lack of faith of his own neighbours and the little faith of his own disciples, as he is struck with admiration at the great faith of the Roman centurion and the Canaanite woman. So here we see, once again, the Roman centurion is an example of great faith in comparison to many of the Jews who should have had faith, but they didn't. Paragraph 543 is about the kingdom of God. Everyone is called to enter the kingdom. First announce to the children of Israel, this messianic kingdom is intended to accept men of all nations. And of course, we see that starting to happen here in this passage. So we'll leave it there for today. Once again, if you want to hear the second half of this of what happens in this story, you can hear it on Saturday of week 12 in Ordinary Time. You might like to look through the podcast archives to find that one. Thanks once again. Hopefully you'll tune in again tomorrow.